welcome to On the Clock with Damien and Deremy. I am Damien Parson, and that is my main man, Deremy Dove. We are your draft experts. Deremy, what's going on, man? Hey, man, I'm so excited to start this new venture for us, this new show, and I'm excited because is there anything better than draft season, than building your team, ah. all these all these franchises who aren't going to be in the playoffs, who think it's hopeless, you get rejuvenated when you get that draft special and you get you get that draft going and you hear teams saying who you're going to build your team around, which great prospects, which blue chippers. It's a beautiful thing. It's it's, rebo- it's rebirth to all yes. these losing franchises. So I love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, same here, man. And it's a lot of fun, you know, for us as, as people who, who, you know, do the mock drafts. And we're watching film and, you know, we're, we're not, you know, in the – in the realm of Ron Jarowski, or however you pronounce his last name, Jaws. You know, I watched 300 hours of film. We're not there, you know, we're not there. Because <laughs> we actually, we have other things we have to take care of, but we watch a lot of film, scouting a lot of players, and it's just a lot of fun for us. So um, definitely guys, when you, you know, just to give you guys a breakdown, you're going to be getting, you know, player rankings, you know, position rankings, our top, top 10 running backs, receivers, quarterbacks, you name it. We're going to be telling you about sleeper prospects, guys that should be on your radar, guys that their stock is a little too high. We're going to be giving you everything we can for draft season to get you prepared for April uh, April in Nashville, where we will be in Tennessee at the draft. So, again, thank you guys so much for joining us on this new venture. Amen. Let's go ahead and start off with the hottest topic right now in college football with, with the draft, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert declared, I believe it was yesterday, uh, um, that he is not going to forego his final year in college. He's coming back for his senior season. He's going back to Oregon, where this team is young. You know, it's the team is kind of, they, they have some top prospects coming in. I think they had the number one rated defender coming into Oregon, defensive end. Uh, this team could make some noise next year, but he came back. Jeremy. Uh, we all knew we, we he was our QB one. He was our QB one, which of course now with him going back that puts Dwayne Haskins at QB one. Do you believe Justin Herbert made the right move? It's tough. It is. I, I think he did. I really do because unlike you know uh, a Matt Liner situation, you know, a few years back when people when you know USC were kings of college football and people said he should you know they won that one national title over uh, Oklahoma. And everyone was saying he would have been the number one pick. And he came back and then, you know, Vince Young rose up. His teammate Reggie Bush rose up. Mario Williams came out of nowhere. And Matt Leinart fell out of the, out of the, I think he was 10 or 11 that year. I don't yeah. see, you look at the teams who are at the top of the draft list so far. Now we have one week left to play. So, we'll, you know, after that, we'll see where it ends. But the lot, Justin Herbert, to me, wouldn't. I, I don't he might have made the end of the top ten as a as a pick to me. And I don't believe he has the, the skill set that someone's trading up for, even a team who's a little bit lower, maybe a Redskins or uh, you know, maybe a, a Jacksonville. I I don't know. Well Jacksonville's up there, but I, I don't know if Jacksonville would have even went for him this year. I think Justin Herbert also has a lot to improve on. Yes, he does. And he's a lot of raw physical ability, but I think it was the right decision. And I think there are things that he can work on that will solidify him being a top five draft pick for 2020 instead. So I do think it's, you know, this money is not guaranteed. And so a lot of times we'll see what happens where people are like, man, you could have been a top 10 right outside draft pick and he has a bad year and he falls. There's always that gamble. But just looking at what kind of season he had, he showed potential. But I think he made the right move in in coming back for another year to, to work on those mechanics. Yes, yes. I, you know, he has a very powerful arm, a lively arm. You know, he, he can let he can sling it. He can definitely sling it and he can throw the football very well. And like I can say I agree with you. He did make the right decision. His decision making in college is what he needs to work on. You know, he sometimes he gets out of the pocket a little too early. But that's something that you have to deal with with quarterbacks who are mobile. When things start to break down, or that internal clock is just too, you 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 look at we talk about Deshaun Watson all the time. His eternal clock is not fast enough right now in NFL. That's why he takes so many sacks. Some people put it off and see he's trying to make a play, staring down DeAndre Hopkins 
and not feeling a rush is not trying to make a play. Scrambling and, and, and doing what Aaron Rodgers does and what you know some of the other mobile quarterbacks do, that's trying to make a play. He's just standing there like a sitting duck, just staring at one guy half the time. But you look at, you know, uh, you look at Justin Herbert, his in- eternal clock has to move quicker and, and well, not quicker, but a little less quick. He needs to slow it down a little bit because it's times where he can sit there and, and get through his reads, but he, he feels a little bit of pressure. He's like, okay, I got to get out of here. I'm too, you know, I'm athletic. I'm fast. I'm, you know, I can stride. I'm going to get out this pocket. Instead, he needs to sit, you know, sit a little bit and, and make better decisions. You know, trust his offensive line and, and, and be able to throw the right pass, throw accurately, put the ball in the mic. Because he's, he can really put the ball where it needs to go. But it's all about, you know, the mental, understanding and- where, your, where your guys are, your blockers are, understanding how much time you actually have in the pocket. You know, we talk about Tom Brady. Tom Brady can't, you know, him and Peyton Manning. And Drew Brees, or Drew Brees got a little bit of mobility, but those other two, they're not the most, they weren't the most mobile guys, even in their prime. No. But they sense pressure. They sense when the guys around them are, you know, they, I've seen Tom Brady. I know you've seen him and Peyton Manning. They step up in the pocket. They turn that, they turn and look for a second, like, oh, wait a second. Let me slide to my right. Oh, boom, dime. You know what I'm saying? And that's what he needs to work on for me. Definitely, I agree with that. His pocket presence is the number one thing. I also think he needs, like you said, he has a, a great uh, – he has a rifle. He does. He's a big guy. You know, what, 6'5", 6'6", 230? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big guy. But that that right there will make him look like a blue chipper from 2020 draft. But he has to work on – and I, I see it this year now, honestly, with a guy who I love, my Philadelphia Eagles, Carson Wentz. And we yeah. see when Nick Foles comes in, and it may be a jump ball, but that deep ball, even though we're looking at it, and the NFL now is big on a West Coast – you know, quick release, get the ball out there. They still mm-hmm. want a quarterback, especially a quarterback with a big arm, to be able to have to get the ball down the field. Justin Herbert has not been an accurate deep ball thrower, and that's something that I think behind his pocket presence, he has to improve. In fact, it's been pretty yeah. downright bad, honestly, last year. So, because you know, if the team drafts him, they're not going to draft him for uh to be a dink and dunk quarterback. When they see six no. five, six six, two thirty, they're not going to push the ball. They want to push the ball down the field, exactly. So he has to be more accurate because he has the strength, but that doesn't mean anything. You know, we've seen, we've all seen people who can, wow, he can throw it 60 or 70 yards, you know, but it doesn't mean anything if you're throwing it out of bounds every time or you're so inaccurate and you're nowhere near or it's getting intercepted. Uh, you know, your arm strength means nothing to me then if, you're, if it's not accurate and it's getting picked off or it's doing a lot of incompletions. Justin Herbert has to do that, especially compared to other big-time quarterbacks uh, who we saw this past year, like a Tua for Alabama, like Kyler Murray, you know, different guys who could get the ball down the field well. Yeah, Justin yeah. Herbert has to improve that because he has the potential to be that blue-chip, can't-miss, top-three, top-five kind of draft pick. But those two things are going to be vital for him to improve on. So I think he exactly. made the right decision in coming back forward to Oregon. Yeah, and I know a lot of people, you know, as we get ready to, to move on, a lot of people felt like, well, you know, you're leaving money on the table. Not really. And, yes, yes, he's leaving money on the table to go back to, to Oregon, but you got to think about longevity. You don't go into the NFL with the flaws that he has and expect to sign three or four contracts. Exactly. In, in a 15, 20-year time span. That's not what you do. You go into this league with the mindset is, I am trying to secure – a legacy of 20 years, man. I want to be there. I'm not trying to be like Mike uh, Mike Glennon and, and just be a bridge quarterback for somebody. Yeah, I'm, they may pay me 14 mil for a season, but what am I going to do after that? All right? you know, Everybody isn't smart enough to be a Byron Leftwich or any of these other guys that turn into offensive coordinators and QB coaches. That's not, that's not everybody's, you know, just because you play doesn't mean everybody's going to be able to do that. So, and that's that, my thing is he's going back for a, a good reason. That right there, before we move on, is something that I'm going – your point, you made it very well. I'm going to reiterate throughout our whole time doing this show for the 2019 draft and beyond is that a lot of times that the mindset of people is they act like – and it's I mean, believe me, it has been a journey for these, these young men, you know, from yeah. Pop Warner, middle school, high school, big-time college football. It's been a journey. 
But when you get to that next level, you're just beginning. And a lot of times yeah. I feel a lot, of, a lot of these players, a lot of their families or hanger owners, they act like you made it. You made it. And you did make it. But now, hey, you're just starting from square one. And like mm-hmm. you said, you have to be thinking about what can I do to get beyond this rookie contract? What can I yes. do to get these extensions and get these big deals and you know to get the endorsements and the, the Super Bowls and the Pro Bowls and all pros? You're just starting off. So I think exactly that's huge for Justin Herbert to realize. I want to be a 15-year starter. I don't want to have a three, four-year run, get that rookie contract, and then I'm already now a backup. And, you know, people exactly, are saying exactly. what happened to this guy. So great point. Yeah, I mean, you know, we look at people like Mark Sanchez and – People, you know, people who just weren't ready. Pete Carroll told him, right? He told Pete Carroll was right. Pete Carroll was right. You were not ready. You know, he wanted to come back. People thought Pete Carroll was selfish, but it is what it is, man. You know, good job, Justin Herbert, on that. Um, let's go ahead and start talking about some of these games, Jeremy. Uh, you know, with with um, Notre Dame. Let's start with Notre Dame and Clemson. You know, I believe that is the first game, four o'clock. Uh, Can't wait. You know, uh, Goodyear Cotton Bowl uh, semifinal, man. We got Ian Book who was not the, the initial starter. Um, I believe it was, Win, it was Winbush, the uh, more running quarterback, the dual threat, who was actually in the transfer portal. He's trying to transfer now because he knew that he, he knows that he's not getting the job back. Ian Book came in, and, and he was able to uplift the offense. This offense scores 33, uh, 34 points a game, uh, two, almost, uh, almost 270 passing. Um, Ian Book, now granted, he's not – he's He's not like Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is a different. They call him touchdown, touchdown Jesus, man. And Trevor Lawrence is a different animal between, you know, you look at the two quarterback matchup. Trevor Lawrence is out there, uh, 2,600 yards, 24 touchdowns, only four interceptions. And a lot of people were upset that they benched Kelly Bryant for him. But Dabble Sweeney knows. He knew from, from the uh, college football playoffs last year versus Alabama. If we need, if we're gonna have, we're gonna have a chance to contend with Alabama this year. Because that's you know not look overlooking Notre Dame, but hey, that's what they they want that rematch yet again. He needs a guy that can beat them through the air. That running stuff is not going to get it done all the time. You need that's why Kyler Murray is going to be so dangerous versus the Alabama defense because he's that do actual dual threat. Um, you know they they label guys that can run and somewhat pass. As dual threats, no, you're just more, you're just a running quarterbacks more so until you improve your passing ability. But uh, shout out, you know to to Kelly Bryant. I know he uh, he transferred to Missouri, but uh, this game is going to be it's tough. You know you have two good defenses. I like Notre Dame's defense, but of course I love Clemson's defense. Now they will be without Dexter Lawrence, who well as of right now we don't know. They're waiting on he he him and three other, and him and two or three other players tested positive. For ostranine or ostranine, some banned substance that is right. Uh, for what I've what I've heard is actually not good for the human body. Um, so they said so they tested positive for that, but they're doing a B sample to make sure there wasn't a uh, a false positive. We do drug screens at my job, so I know kind of what you know what they're going with with that. They need something conclusive to make sure this is legit because he could have taken the substance that did not have. The ostracized, uh, whatever it is, uh, labeled, and it could have just been in there. So they're just trying to make sure, you know, check all the boxes before they actually suspend one of the college football's best players. But this is going to be a, a, a big game. Uh, Travis Etienne, one of the most explosive running backs in college football, 1,400, almost 1,500 yards. Mind you, Jeremy, on less than 180 carries, almost 1,500 rushing yards, and 21 rushing touchdowns. This kid is explosive, man. I'm excited about this game. I am excited about this game. I, I'm excited because it's, it's the college football playoff. Obviously, for me, um, between these two games, this is the, the least appealing to yeah, me. Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, and, and it's not due to Clemson. It's due to the fact that I don't know how you feel, Damon. This is just us talking because you <laughs> might think Notre Dame deserves to be in there. I just don't think – and Notre Dame – Great job, Brian. I, I'm not just a hater on Notre Dame. I'm not. Brian Kelly did a really good job with this team. Do they deserve to be in a high bowl game? Yes. Can I look at Notre Dame? And do you, Dame, I'll ask you, do you feel that they are one of the four best teams in the nation? No. I mean, Notre Dame and Georgia, to me, it's not even close. Yeah, Georgia's it, a much better team. It's just not even close. And I, I, my problem, and not to get too far off, it's just, 
the the obsession we see it in the NFL with the Cowboys, Major League Baseball with the Yankees, and college football with Notre Dame. That when they have a little bit of success and bravo to you, then we're going to bump them up and, and, and give them so much coverage and bump over other more deserving big-time schools who need to be there to make the big four what it deserves to be. Notre Dame does not deserve to be in this game. And, Jimmy, you know, I know you're going to look at the prospects, quote-unquote, <laughs> on Notre Dame's side, <laughs> but I'm looking at Klein Farrell. You talk about Dexter Lawrence, Christian Wilkins, just just so many studs, studs, studs on that Clemson man. side. I mean, it's just unfair. It really is. And it's just I think this game is not going to be close. I, I can't see it. Austin Bryant, there's just too many yeah, guys. It's a, lot, it's, a, it's a lot of guys over there. I, I like their – I think his name is Travis Mullen, uh, their corner, cornerback. I, I like his game too. Uh, this, is, this is a dangerous Clemson team, that's for sure. And, and and those that and this is going to be a defensive heavy draft. You heard already mm-hmm. yes. that with uh, Justin Herbert not not declaring now. It's not a, it's not you don't look for what you saw in 2018. For anyone no. who's just a casual fan, you're not getting that's the 2020. QB. That's going to be 2020. Tw- that's 2020, and that's where yeah. those who want to maybe not Justin Herbert. That's the only argument I can give you is that. That's he's gonna offensive explo- offensively explosive draft. Man. He's going to have competition, you know, in twenty twenty, which he probably wouldn't have had in twenty nineteen. I still think he made the right choice. Yeah, me too. But me that too. is the only argument I can give those who think he made the wrong choice is that the competition, the cream will rise to the top on the offensive side of football in twenty twenty. That will happen. But I'm just looking around here, and I just don't see the talent level. The blue chippers on Clemson, especially Clemson's defensive side of football, I don't see how Notre Dame can keep up. Even even if Dexter Lawrence does test positive and doesn't play, there's just still too many blue chippers on that defense that will eat up Mr. Book and that they will struggle. I just really see it. And, you know, bravo – to them having a good year. I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away from them and Dexter Williams and, and, and a decent offensive line. And they played well against their, um, their ranked opponents. And you, 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 you play your schedule. But I just think Clemson eats them up. I really do. I think they win by double digits. I, I, and see, I do believe that's a strong possibility. The, thing, the issue I have with Notre Dame is, you know, with them being in it, they don't play a they're not in the conference. No. Put them in a conference, man. I don't care if it's the ACC. Put them – I don't care. Put them in the conference, man, because that's what – that's how you – that's how you truly solidify it. Think about – think about – this could be a matchup in the ACC championship, you know? Two but that's how they – teams. They know what they're doing. That's how – by yeah, them they not being in a conference, they get this bump up if they have a good year. So that's why they'll never go to a conference. <laughs> that's why one of the major reasons why you know that they'll never go to a conference is that they they know that they get bumped up if they they beat their opponents and their schedule is not really that uh daunting in my opinion uh that they get bumped up like this and now they're in yeah. the final four definitely definitely like i said i mean it's it's going to be it, it's going to it's going i think this game will start off kind of slow cuz i do like i said i do really like Notre Dame's defense they got some players over there uh, which I'll talk about, you know, after we get uh, past the Bama or preview, talk about the Bama and uh, Oklahoma game as we get ready to talk about the prospects after that. But again, I mean, I think it starts off slow, but man, Ian Book is going to have, he's going to have, even with, even if Dexter Lawrence is out, Christian Wilkinson, Cleland uh, Farrell, uh, Austin Bryant, you know, those guys are still there and they're going to be coming for him. So he's going to, you know, they're going to need him and Williams to get Williams going in the run game. They got to figure out something. Now, granted, we all, we talked about it, I think, last night about how Notre Dame produces some really good offensive linemen. I'm looking, you know, we'll talk about that later, but hopefully there's some sleepers in this, in this crop of guys that can keep Ian Book uh, upright so he could be able to make some plays downfield. But man, I'm with you. I, it's, this could definitely turn into a double digit loss. Definitely. Easy. Um, yeah, it, it definitely, they, they got to start off. They have to, to, to keep their foot on the gas, keep fighting, and find ways. Now, pull out your best plays. I don't really care. You're going to have to find a way to keep up with touchdown Jesus, uh, Trevor Lawrence. 
Um, <laughs> next up, let's talk about Alabama and Oklahoma, man. This is a game, you know. I saw, you know, we all know that uh, Tua Tungavailoa was dealing with the uh, high ankle sprain. They said that he's about eighty to eighty-five percent. Uh, he hasn't had any setbacks in practice. He's dropping back fine. Um, I do believe we see a little bit of Jalen Hurts because that the main thing that you want against OU's defense, which is terrible, if you can mix them in, you can still possibly win this game. Uh, you don't want Jalen Hurts starting versus Clemson. That's not what you want. Clemson no. will play press man coverage. Yes, you got Jerry Judy and, and, and the rest of those guys. You had them last year, too, with Calvin Ridley. And Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurt still couldn't get them to football. So, and don't get me wrong, he's he's improved as a passer. I give him that. His 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 uh his throwing motion, and everything has improved, but still, yeah, Tua Tungavailoa is their guy. He's the guy. They're gonna need his arm. You, that's the golden arm, man. That's the golden arm. And like I said, you can get past Oklahoma uh, by playing both of them and allowing Tua to, you know, not you know re-injure the ankle. But against Clemson, you're gonna need Tua. Kyler Murray, as we talked about with the dual threat, Kyler Murray, is the, he epitomizes dual threat. This kid has the burst and speed of a running back coming out of that backfield. I've seen him go 40, 50 yards downfield untouched, not caught. And, and he has, you know, as a baseball player, he was drafted by the Oakland A's, he has an arm. And his ball place, for him to be, I believe he's about 5'10", maybe that's a little generous, 5'11", somewhere in there. Yeah, he's, he's a short guy. Yeah, he's a short guy, but he can throw over the mountains, man. His accuracy is 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 legit. His ball placement is on point. He does struggle sometimes getting through his reads, Jeremy. He does do that. Sometimes he gets stuck on one read, or, you know, but he's young. You know, he hasn't played that much. Um, so that happens with a young quarterback. We talked about it with Justin Herbert, and we saw it, with, you know, uh, with a lot of other guys that's young. They do that from time to time. You know, right. they, that's their security blanket. They get like that. Heck, Tom Brady gets like that when – when he had Welker and Gronk in their prime, he used to do the same thing. Aaron Rodgers with Jordy Nelson. It just is what it is. You feel comfortable with certain guys. But, um, you know, with Brooks in the backfield, I think uh, uh, Sermon as well, uh, Damian Harris and, and Najee Harris and, and Josh Jacobs. I think Josh Jacobs, I like to see Josh Jacobs and Damian Harris a lot more than Najee, uh, Najee Harris in this game. Uh, but trying to cover the two receivers, I know you're going to talk about it after we do this quick preview. Um, Mark Hollywood Brown, Hollywood Brown, man, him and Jerry Judy, the battle between the receivers is going to be big. It's going to be you know the implications on who wins that receiver matchup. Uh, it's going to be huge, man, huge in this game. No, definitely, and I do. I will be talking about those guys. Um... Also, some, you know, it wouldn't be me for all those who are just maybe you're not the biggest NFL fans, uh, but you're a college football fan. Uh, your boy, Jeremy, loved the offensive linemen. We don't call them big yes. uglies. We call them big sexies here. And I will be talking about Cody Ford and others as well. But I will have to say the thing that just I- I'm excited for this game. But boy, oh, boy, that abysmal, abysmal Oklahoma defense and. I think that says something when you can say, and you know what? I was really proud of Jalen Hurt in the SEC championship game. And, you know, he was a class act. He's handled this situation very well. But we've talked off air. I know that, Danny, about just he he cannot get it done as a quarterback. And if he was on another school that wasn't as loaded as Alabama, he wouldn't have the record that he has and, and, you know, the the praise that that he did receive. Right, right. But that says something. When I hear your analysis, and I agree, you know, Tua is – they're saying 80 85%. I hope he is because I love watching the young man play. He's exciting. Yes. But I do believe if, if Tua couldn't go, that Oklahoma defense is so bad, I would still pick Alabama to win with Jalen Hurt. I really would. Um, oh, yeah. That, 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 uh, that, that Oklahoma uh, defense gives up 33 points. In in, in in the, the Big 12, just in these shootouts, it, it's an abysmal – and, you know, it, it's not – with Tua in there, it is not the typical Alabama offense. There's weapons there, and they, they, they put up points. And that will be the thing to me that I think why I see, I see another Alabama-Clemson matchup is that 
Oklahoma's defense. The only way Oklahoma I, I can't see Alabama just becoming completely inept. I think Kyler Murray, like you said, will have to he'll throw over some mountains. He has done it. He'll really have to do it on Saturday. But I think he will put up points, but they have to it'll have to be an all out shootout. And Alabama's defense, uh, which you don't see in a Nick Saban defense, will completely have to unravel and lose all their fundamentals for them to just kind of <laughs> give up 40-something points or 50 right. points to Oklahoma. I can't see it. And that's why I see Alabama winning on Saturday. It's just that it's the same. Oklahoma's defense was a little bit more uh, competent. This could be a different game, especially with an injured Tua. But I think the defense, which we've seen all year long, it's just not – it's not going to be enough to slow down a, a very potent Alabama offense. And now, despite all that, Oklahoma is still better than Notre Dame. So that's my last time Notre Dame. But despite all that, Oklahoma is still a much better team than Notre Dame for all you Irish fans out there. Oh, man. Listen, you are just trying to just, you know, just frustrate the fighting Irish fan base in D&D Nation, man. I have to. I have to. I'm going to tell you a quick story. When my I went to Temple University, and we have a historically known bad football program. I mean, yes. we've been a laughing stop. But a few years ago, I had a dream. I, I had my dream come true when college game day came to Temple, who had Notre Dame game. Notre Dame came into Philly, and I got up at 3 a.m. downtown for game day. Lee Corso, Kirk Herbstreit, right in front of me. It was a dream come true. Never been to game day before. And the arrogant Notre Dame fans. I mean, my <laughs> gosh. They were just so – Notre Dame had Will Fuller, a Philly guy. I like Notre Dame. But they were just so arrogant and so condescending. And I never forgot it. Now, D&D Nation, I'm not biased. And Notre Dame, to me, was a top four team, legit. I mean, they are by ranking. But I felt that. I would call it like I see it. If they were right. loaded with blue chippers all up and down the field that could compete with Clemson, I would call it that way. But eh, in my opinion, they are not. <laughs> so, I have to – I'm definitely going to rub it in there that you guys do not deserve to be here. Just like when they played Alabama a few years ago in the championship game, they did not deserve to be there. They don't deserve to yeah, be I here. Called that, I called that blowout. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I called that blowout. Because I actually, I actually uh, played against Everett uh, Ever Golson in uh, high school, the quarterback of Notre Dame. I played against him a couple times in high school. And I knew his skill set was not going to translate completely well, you know, very well yeah. to the NFL. It was, he, uh, he used to line him off the ball like 10 yards and shotgun and run a bunch of sprint plays, <laughs> sprint left, sprint right. He had a bunch of five-star recruits at receiver. It was ridiculous, but and, uh, I knew he wasn't that good. Yeah. So I knew that blowout was coming. It, it, I knew that it was, was sad coming. one. It was sad because it's but like – That was the game. That was the team that had Manti Teo and the fake girlfriend. Yeah, the, uh, the catfishing. Yeah, he was – that was the – yo, like he should have – yeah, that, that – wow. Hey, <laughs> flash to the past, man. Forgot all about that until you Oh, yeah, that the up. catfishing. <laughs> can't forget that. No, you can't. Yeah, no. Yeah, that is an iconic moment in college oh, yeah. football history. I would oh, tell my sure. kids about that. Oh, and yeah. Never, never think that you have a spouse. Guys. Never think no. that you have a spouse. And, um, and it, but his life has not been the same since. Fake that she passed away and, and got all this yeah. publicity. I mean, um, catfishing, in my opinion, became a known household term due to Manti Teo. Like, young yeah. kids knew what it was, but then I had, like, my mom, what is this catfish? What's this Notre Dame guy? Like, she was asking about it. I'm like, geez, Manti Teo to make catfish When the household parents thing. start asking questions about you, you got that's problems. bad. You got, yeah, problems. We got problems. We got, got problems, problems, man. But, yeah, I'm picking I, – I, I pick Clemson to win against Notre Dame, and I pick Bama to win against uh, OU. Uh, let's get into these prospects, man. Um, yes. Let's start off with the Notre Dame-Clemson game. Uh, of course, because that is the first game on the slate in the Cotton Bowl. Like you said, this team is not loaded with a bunch of blue chippers, but they are. There are a few prospects that I am definitely looking um, looking at in this draft class. Uh, first off, their best defender to me, Jer- Jerry Tillery, defensive tackle. Uh, this this guy, big, strong, six foot seven. Um, you know he. He's about 305, so he's he's not like the big pop belly type of guys, but he could definitely push the pocket. He's lost some weight. Would like to see him at maybe maybe 10, 
10, 15 pounds to, you know, of maybe some muscle just to continue that to fill out his frame a little bit. But uh, he he's a guy that you look at, especially in, in today's NFL, you talk about passing league, you need guys that can get after the passer. He is one of those type of uh, D tackles that can push the pocket and be, he, he is one of the best pass rushing guys. He has seven sacks on the season leading into this draft class. And, and that's from the D tackle position. And, and I think we're going to see that those numbers start to come from D tackles because we're, we're going to need that. You know, you need that type of help to help the guys on the edge. So you, I look at him and but he does have a back end first round, high second round grade for me. He is a really good player. And I, and I like what I see from him, you know, eight and a half tackles for a loss, um, you know, you, you know, two forced fumbles. And like I said, granted, he needs to add some to the frame. But when I look at a guy like him in this league, you pair him up with, um, you know, I, I look at, you know, like a team with the Patriots. We all know the Patriots lack pass rush. But I would love to see in the inside you put him beside a, a, a Trey Flowers a, you know, head to head with guards with that length, six foot seven, those long, strong arms that punch, be able to push and pull those those shorter arm guards and kind of navigate the pocket, force force the quarterbacks to your edge, guys. That's what I, you know, a team like the Patriots would be a really good fit for him, and he'll be a good fit for the Patriots as well because they need uh, the interior pass rush or pass rush period um, with Bill Belichick. Another guy to throw out there, cornerback, and this is a nice cornerback class as well. There, Julian Love. Julian Love, you know, he he doesn't get the recognition. I'm not gonna lie to you. When we, I'll throw out the names that we mostly hear, you hear Brian Murphy from Washington, right? DeAndre Baker from Georgia, mm-hmm. and uh, Greedy Williams from LSU. You don't really hear Julian Love, you know, um, and, and Julian Love deserves some love because this kid is one of the better corners in the country. You know, five inter- in his career, five interceptions, three he took back for touchdowns, uh, 38 passes defended, four fumble recoveries. He's forced two fumbles. And granted, he's 5'11", 193, and he'll be more – he may project more as a slot corner. But, you know, we know in this passing league, that is the place that you want to make sure you have reassured because you can't take – I'll tell you right now, watch film on Greedy Williams. That's not the guy you want to throw into the slot. It's, he is not. His footwork and everything has a bigger, longer corner. His hips do not open as fluidly as you want, you know. So you don't want him in the slot versus Odell Beckham and those type of guys because that, that's barbecue chicken. That's barbecue right. chicken. Put him on the outside, he could do his thing. But uh, Julian Love is a guy who can play both inside and outside. Um, but I would like to see him, you know, I do think he'll project more as a slot corner early on. But I think this kid can can definitely help. Um, you know, there's a lot of teams that need you know back end help. You know, you look at your your Eagles. We said that before the season. That was that was my Achilles heel. Yeah. Cornerback position. They could use some corners. Tampa Bay could use some corners, right? The the Pittsburgh Steelers can use some corners. There's a lot of teams that can use some corners. Indianapolis. A lot of teams that need cornerbacks, man. Oh, Falcons. Yeah. Falcons. Yeah. So there's a there's a lot of teams that could use him, and he has also. He, he he falls it to me. He falls in that second to third round range. But I think if you get him there, that's some good that that's good value for him. So uh, I want to get some love to Julian Love. And my last guy, uh, like I said, it's not many guys here that I even want to talk about for this team. Yeah. But one of my favorite prospects on this team is Tevin Conley. Uh, Connie, sorry, Tevin Connie, uh, Coney, whatever how you pronounce it. But he's a linebacker. But he is, you know, when you talk about, you know, he's six one, about two thirty, two forty. I look at him as a, you know, second, third round grade. But he's kind of a do it all type of guy. You know, four passes defended, six and a half sacks. Um, you know, uh, he has one interception, two fourth, two uh, one fourth fumble, two fumble recoveries. But he can kind of do a little bit of all things. He can cover. He can he can stuff his face in the run game. Uh, he has, you know, the build. You know, at six one, two forty. The, you know, good build, good frame to handle punishment in the trenches and in the wash, you know, because everything goes down in the trenches. There's a fight in there. There's a battle. It's a war zone. And I think he has the build and the game to be able to do it. He's improved his stock, you know, two straight seasons, over 100 tackles. So he's, you know, he's a tackle machine. He's going to find the ball. And that's what you need. You need guys that can diagnose plays, find the ball, get to the ball. 
Get to the football, man. And that's what you need, guys. You can find where the ball is. Get especially nowadays with them implementing so much college uh, schematics into the game. A lot of misdirection. Different. You talk about the West Coast. That all the you see guys running behind. Yeah, they're in shotgun. You see the receivers running behind the shotgun, running behind the quarterback and receiver, uh, running back to open up a little bubble screen uh, and different things. That they, so you need – and they do so many different variations of it, of stuff that they see in college. Uh, so I'm looking at Tevin uh, Coney, the linebacker from Notre Dame as well, as a really uh, a solid steal in the middle rounds. Dude. I love it. I love it. And, you, you know, great job because there are still some guys – on Notre Dame's team, it's not the blue chippers like we're going to see. I mean, hell, the next game we do, Alabama, that, you know, that yeah, could take an hour. I could take – Exactly. You you got that one. I might take – you know, I might eat breakfast, go out to eat, and come back, <laughs> and you'll still be going on about all those players. So, I mean, so the, Notre Dame's not in that class, but there are players. And before I get to Clemson, I wanted to ask you, because we see it in – and I'll go to the NBA. It's a guy who – I know we're both basketball fans and we, we watch college ball and pros that with uh, there's guys who come alive in March Madness and maybe they're from they're They're not as known due to either the school they went to or they're not as known because there's other high profile teammates, but they have a good tournament and their draft stock rises. Do you believe in that when it comes to bowl games and in the college playoff games? that you could be a, say, a third-round kind of prospect, second-round, whatever, but you play well in, in, in this spotlight? Because, I mean, every, the nation's watching these games Saturday and the, the following week championship game. Where do you feel with that? We've seen it in college football where guys have big games in, in these, these big uh, championship kind of moments, and then their draft stock rises. Do you feel that way? Yeah, yeah, because uh, we, we definitely see it a lot, you know, um, we, right now we talked about it off air before, but you see a lot of these uh, these these guys that's they're not staying, uh, they they're leaving for the NFL and they're not even playing in these bowl games. It's it's tough, you know, it's tough right now. But I I agree with the players, you know. And I remember I was watching uh, Todd McShay's uh, first round mock draft on ESPN about two weeks ago, and he said, you know, because you know he he does talk to a lot of NFL scouts and GMs and everything. He said the NFL teams don't even care. They want guys to be healthy. Unless it's the college football playoffs, you know, because then they start to the question, well, you had a chance to win, the, to win the, the national championship and even further build your stock. Um, then, of course, that helps you earn some more money in the NFL because you did it on the biggest stage in your field. But if it's like the Tacoma Bowl, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm good, love. Enjoy. You guys enjoy. Uh, I'm good. I'm going to train. Like, you know right. what I'm saying? I would tell my, I tell my son the same thing. You know, I have a I have a son and he's and his team doesn't make it to the national championship to the to the college football playoffs. I'm like, hey, let me tell you something right now, son. No, okay, no, we're not blowing out of we're not blowing out of ACL for the Tacoma Bowl. We're not doing that for the Liberty Bowl. We're not. No, you're not getting paid for that. No, we're going to go ahead get you with some trainers, get you with your. You know, heck, I might be your agent, but either way, we're going to get you where you need to be. And, and, and you know, I'm not trusting nobody with my kids, so I'm going to do my thing. But we're going, we're going, we're going to get you where you need to be and focus on that, you know. But um, but a lot of these guys, we're going to see some guys in this in this bowl season. I'm tell you, throw out, a, throw out a quick name to you: Colin Johnson versus DeAndre Baker uh, in a New Year's in New Year's Eve with um, you know Texas versus Georgia. Somebody's making some money out of that pro, out of that, out of that matchup. Somebody's gonna make some money. Somebody's gonna lose some money. And, and that's just is what it is. Colin Johnson has a chance to build his name as a first round selection if he goes there and dominates DeAndre Baker. So I, I think you know I do agree with you that guys are going to there. Some stocks are going to rise because guys are are going to show out in these bowl games. Okay, so you if you're if you're a GM and you're looking at these games Saturday and the championship game. If they don't say someone, it could go, like you said, stock rises or falls. If someone mm-hmm. does not either have that greater performance in these couple of games or one game or they lose or they have a, a great game in that one game, that, that, that does carry some weight with you if you're an NFL GM or a talent evaluator. Yeah, well, it'll make me go back. Just like with the combine, you know, you see a guy that runs a 4-4 four, four, 
that you did not know, you didn't think he was that fast, that makes you go back and look at the tape. Like, okay, what did I miss? Let me go back and reevaluate him and go look at the tape again. Let me look at this again just, just, just for a little bit. Let me, let me you know, pull up his film and see, that, see if I miss him. May have, may I, I may have just been a little tired and I just didn't see it. Let me, and then it starts to make you just reevaluate the player. So, yeah, if, he, if you got guys <clears throat> that come out there and, and on Saturday – and go bonkers. You know, Oklahoma doesn't have many good defenders, you know, blue chippers on their defense that guys are talking about. But if they come out there on sack, you know, their defensive end comes out with four sacks against Jonah Williams, yeah, those scouts are like, let's go back and look at his tape. Let's go see what his technique is, how explosive he is. And then, of course, with the combine and everything, the CIE test, he may his stock may very, uh, very well may rise in this draft process. Okay. Okay. No, I think in uh, for our fans, those are we're not just going to give you our mock drafts and our which we will. We're going to give you mock drafts and and play in position rankings. We're also going to put you inside the minds of players, of coaches, of scouts and GMs. And what would you do in situations? You know, do you is the combine fool's gold? Um, how how yeah. do you evaluate someone who went to a smaller university, a small school? Where they do do you? What kind of stock, how, you know, do you put into that? Those are different conversations we'll also be having on uh, on the clock. So it's not just going to be the regular routine uh, mock drafts, which we will have, but we will also be getting into how uh, different people evaluate talent and, yeah. and seeing the science to it and, and different things like that. So just more to come from our from us here on the on the yes, clock. Sir. But I'm looking at clock. Clemson. And I'm looking at just blue chippers, but and we've mentioned some. We've mentioned Klein Farrell. We've also mentioned Dexter Lawrence, who at six four three forty. I am wondering, and Dave, I want to see what you think. If NFL scouts will want him to slim down a little bit, like you just mentioned earlier, uh, it's it's not. We're not seeing the land of those run stuffers, those guys with the big guts. You know the the Mount Cody's, Terrence Cody got looking guys. Oh yeah, and yeah. you know where, where they want people. They want like an Aaron Donald type to even if you're a D tackle, you can get up the field on third down and put pressure on these elite quarterbacks on Sundays. Do you think with uh, Dexter Lawrence's size, with that, will NFL teams want him? Excuse me, to slim down at about uh, three forty. At three forty. I, I can see him wanting maybe cut 10, 15 pounds. Now, he he is a more – he is a massive man. He doesn't have, really have the pop belly. Um, you know, he has more of the – you know, he's really broad and, and, and bulky as well. I, I, I could see maybe 10, 15 pounds drop down to maybe, you know, 325, 330, somewhere in there. That's a good range. But, you know, one thing about him, like you talk about, he is – he has a quickness for that big he does. That size. He does. He's, he's, qu- he's crazy quick with that size, man. So I do think he could drop, and then that makes it even better. He drops that, that you know, 10, 15 pounds and gets another step quicker. Dangerous. Well, with his length and his oh, power absolutely. on the inside, that's scary. Six, four, that's scary. 340, and you're right. He's not a pop belly <clears> guy. It's just we see. I mean, looking at last year's draft, Vita Vea to me, he did not have a pop for a guy at his no, size. No, no. no pop belly, but that was still what people, I feel and, uh, and and evaluators are big on, hey, we have an idea size range for your position. And if you're not in that range, you know, they, they can't change height, but they can change that weight and they want to change it for you. And I don't I don't know if Dexter Lawrence necessarily needs it, but I could I wouldn't be surprised if NFL scouts want to do it. Because when I saw Vita Vea and I saw how much he weighed last year, I said, this man looks like he's 320. And I'm seeing he's at 350, and that's after losing pounds. I go, good God almighty. But to me, he looked in great shape, and he really did. But I can see just scouts wanting to do that with Dexter Lawrence as well. And we look at another guy, Christian Wilkins, who is leaner, not as big as Dexter Lawrence, 6'4", 310. There's a lot of teams in the league who, you know, hey, we see it now. The game has become – it always has been a passing game, a quarterback game. And what do you do to disrupt that? You need someone to attack, attack, and put someone on their back. Like the defending champions, my Philadelphia Eagles did last year. People are going to be looking at that. Hey, we you can never have enough pass rushers. Keep them fresh. You can rotate them in. You can get to those quarterbacks, especially if I'm looking at certain divisions. 
in football where you see young quarterbacks. You know, if I'm looking at the AFC South and I see a Andrew Luck and a Deshaun Watson, I'm going to say to myself, I want to put pressure on them nonstop. I don't want them to pick me apart. I got to play these guys twice a year. Uh-uh, we need to change that up. If I'm looking in the AFC West and, you know, old man Rivers, he's still doing his thing. And Pat McFlames, as you call him out there, no, sir. We need to put him on his back. So you're going to look at this and people, that's why this is going to be a defensive draft. But fans, do not be dismayed because these are guys who are going to really build up teams. You need that foundation and defense wins championships. So I'm looking at Christian Wilkins. I'm looking at a round two talent. And this is a guy to me that uh, another D end who I'm wondering if he has a great college playoff, can he bump into round one? That's Austin Bryant. He is that prototype 6'5", 265, pass rusher D end, that hybrid, could use him in a 4-3, or I think you could even use him in a 3-4 to get after the quarterback. And I'm wondering, yeah, he's playing with so many other blue chippers that, you know, I think on another school he, he, he would rise up. But there's just so much talent on that Clemson D especially that D-line. But I'm wondering if he has a big Saturday and if they win and get to the championship game and he plays very well, he could maybe try to bump into round one status. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Now, I'm also looking at round three, and I'm looking at, you know, we're talking about the front end, but the back end, Trayvon Mullen, cornerback from Clemson. He's a round three talent, but I do like what this young man has to bring. I think he will do – we talked about it before. A lot of teams who need cornerback help too. You know, a lot of teams we saw this year, including my Philadelphia Eagles, secondary woes, and, and, and it's been a problem for teams because, you know, even though you may have a pass rusher where it's decent, if you're getting beat consistently, it's not going to help you. I'm looking at Trayvon Mullet. I'm also looking at Mitch Hyatt, a tackle for Clemson, seeing what he can do. He's a round three talent grade. And then I'm going to end it with a round four grade because we're trying to give love to the offense. But Hunter Renfro, receiver, smaller at 5'10", 180. But I'm wondering if he can be that quick kind of wide out, maybe a slot receiver for the team and seeing what he can do. So those are the Clemson prospects I want people to be watching for on Saturday and seeing if, like Dame said, I do agree. I, I Well, I agree that teams do it. I don't know if I would put as much stock into it if I'm a GM, but that these college playoff games, people do their stocks rise or they fall. So I want to see how these prospects do. Definitely. Definitely, man. I mean, it's it's going to be big, you know, uh, trying to, you know, and especially if Clemson can get into, to face Alabama, face Alabama and, and going up against Jerry Judy and those receivers that they have over there in a, I'm healthier to a tongue of Iloa, and you ball out there, your stock's going up. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that so hardly, man. And people want that stock to rise. This is big time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Ready to move on to uh, OU and uh, Bama? Let's talk with yes, some sir. of these guys. So, and like you said, there's a lot of guys over there, but I, I, I got a, a list here. Um, you're gonna course, have to. You're gonna. Have, <laughs> you're gonna have. Of to. course, Let, let's. We all know Big Q Dub, Quinian Williams. We all know that Quinian Williams is the top guy on Alabama right now. Um, you know, big physical guy. You know, what I'm saying good, good hand usage. He knows how to 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 get to the pass. But he's also stout in the run game. You know, and that's one thing about him. I, I, I love his efficient hand. He's he's you look at him on tape, he looks unblockable, man. He looks unblockable. He has because he has been. The ball. He has, yeah, been he has been. Exactly, exactly. So Kyler Murray and that and that ability to move around is going to be huge with him in the middle of that in the middle of that defense. But you know he he's powerful at the point of attack. He has that uh, a, a good burst, a good acceleration off the ball, um, and he you know right now he is fighting for that top D tackle spot with Ed Oliver. Um, someone whose motor runs a little hot and, and it's, it's hot and cold. But, you you know, he runs a little hot and cold. But, you know, with Quinny Williams, you're going to get a hot motor, a running motor every snap. He doesn't really take snaps off. Um, so, I want, you know, everybody knows who he is. But a name that, to me, is, is definitely flying up the, 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 uh, the board and the charts, Deontay Thompson. When you look at this safety prospect, man, 
He's a do-it-all safety. He is a do-it-all type yes. of safety. Yes, he, His range is incredible. Getting side on the sideline, be able to make plays on the, on the football, whether it's interceptions, pass breakups, but not even just that, Jeremy. He is a type of he is a type of uh, free safety that if you need you bring him in the box and he hits hard. He's not the biggest guy either, you know. He you know Eric Berry was coming out. Eric Berry had he was kind of cut up, but he wasn't huge. He wasn't like uh, he wasn't like Landon Collins or some of the other guys who are really bulky. Um, but you know, you look at what he was able to do in the box. He's able to lay lay that hammer to you, pound he you, lays the wood. knock you down. He has no problem with that whatsoever. So he and I look at Deontay Thompson. Thompson, he does the exact same thing. He's on the key. You test him the wrong way. Kyler Murray's gonna have to watch that. And I, and I feel, especially with the young cornerbacks, Patrick Sertine Jr. and all these other guys that they have at uh, Trayvon Diggs and everything at cornerback for Bama. Deontay Thompson versus the matchup with him and and Kyler Murray's gonna be big because he's gonna have to play that that deep middle and. I think he will have, you know, granted, you know, they have another receiver over there in OU, but he's going to have to stay over the top of Hollywood Brown, man. He's going to have to stay over the top of Hollywood Brown. Um, you know, if not. You love some Hollywood hey, now. Hey, I, I love Hollywood, man. The kid's explosive, man. I love him. Next up, uh, you know, I look, I look at Damian Harris. And, you know, I'm, me, I'm a running back. And, and what a coincidence. We had the same name. Uh, Damian Harris, <laughs> <laughs> 5'11, 215, a powerful boulder type of running back, you know, that bowling ball type of build, you know, he, he can run between the tackles. He has a incredible jump cut. Uh, trust me, if you don't follow me on Twitter, DP underscore NFL, I have uh, clips of this kid. I will be putting clips of different prospects I'm watching, but he is an outstanding guy. You know, you, you can't, you can't just, you know, bring those weak arm tackles. He's going to go through that. He's going to burst through that. And he's fighting to be the top running back selected in this class. He is a yards at the catch monster. He can do that. And he, he actually can catch the ball out of the backfield as well and, and run, run some, some – he can run some routes. He, his route tree isn't exclusive. Now, he's not Christian McCaffrey, but he can catch the ball kind of like Ezekiel Elliott, you know, come checking down, catch the ball. And with him being a strong runner, that's all you need. You don't need him to do too much else uh, besides catch the ball and make some, make some people miss and get through some tackles. But uh, I, I really like his game. Irv Smith, tight end. I know, you know, two years ago, uh, O.J. Howard came out. I like Irv Smith Jr., man. He is a smooth athlete, smooth athlete, man, in space. He has deceptive speed, and he is a very he's a very good blocker as well. You know, running, playing in Alabama, they want you to be able to block and do multiple things. He can be that inline guy, but you also, with his, especially with his frame, you can put him in that slot, Jeremy, against, you know, some nickel corners or, or, who, or some linebackers. He had the speed to be linebackers, but he has the size to post up, especially in the red zone. Those smaller cornerbacks, I like Irv Smith a lot. Um, and, of course, one other guy, you know, the, the, the guy I'm looking at, Jonah Williams, left tackle. He started off at right tackle at Bama, but he's a left tackle now. This kid is a baller, man. And he's one, he is the best tackle prospect on the left side in this draft. You know what I'm saying? He's strong, physical, good kick slide, quick off the ball. Uh, he's a smart kid as well. And like I said, with his ability to play on the right side, if you already have a left tackle, if you, you're, you run a book in left tackle, hey, flip him to the right. You know what I'm saying? You're good to go there if you have that guy. So I really like what, uh, what he brings to the table. And, of course, Raekwon Davis. I, I'm, not, I'm not too sold on Raekwon. Um, I need to see more. Uh, he can be disruptive in the run game and everything. I don't really see 6'6", six, six, you know, I believe he's like three, a little over 300 pounds. Um, he, he is a disruptive guy. Uh, he, he understands leverage. Um, he has some good athleticism for his size. He, you know, he, he's a bit of a two-gapper with some pass rushing skills. He's going to be a day day two, day three guy for me. Um, but that's the Alabama prospects I'm looking at. Who, Rayquan's a two, day two guy? Yeah, I think he's a day two guy. I think he's a day two guy. But I, just I, more, I think with, with, the, with the, the type of talent defensively that's in this class in the first round, I think he's second, third round. Now I, let me okay. Let me uh, let me phrase. Do you believe that's his ability level, or do you think that's where he will be taken? I think it's where he'll be taken. Um, because you know, I definitely agree with you on on that's his ability yeah. right now. What he's shown me is a day two guy. But I, mm -hmm. I I guess he's someone I I will see how he plays Saturday. And if they I got win, watch more you know, film on him for sure. But you know he I, every time I look at Bama's D line, 
I always, you know, it's hard because I always see Quinny and Williams. I always see Q Dub. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's hard to pay attention. So I gotta really watch their tape and look and solely look at Raekwon Davis going forward. But I do think he's a good player, and especially for teams that struggle with the rank. Like I said, the Patriots, they're God. He could be he is a guy that can help the Patriots defense on the early downs, bar none. The, the Chiefs, Tremendously. You know, Tremendously. The Chiefs, you know, they look at that that defense. You know, there's some defense that can definitely benefit from him. Um, you know, he could be a kind of an Eric Armstead who was drafted out of Oregon, who's a San Francisco 49ers type of guy, uh, you know, really good uh, early on as a run defender and try to, to develop more so as a pass rusher. That's the thing I think he needs to work on is his pass rushing ability. Okay. No, I think it's um, it really is incredible to me that, it's just Nick Saban continues to just get blue chipper after blue chipper Every and just build, build on this Alabama dynasty. It's something that uh, we, we've never seen before, and I'm really questioning if we ever will see anything like it again in college football. I, I just don't – I mean, people talk about that Pete Carroll UFC dynasty. That's a that's in the aftermath. That's nothing compared to what we've seen yeah, no. with Nick Saban. No. And it's so funny to think that if – Wayne Huizenga would have just listened to Nick Saban and signed Drew Brees. None of this. We're not talking about Alabama like that. Yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember that. That would, yeah, this would they never happen. Dante Culpepper and uh, and if they listen to Nick Saban and take Drew Brees, uh, we're not talking about Alabama in that same light. You know, no, no. they have success, but I can guarantee. I'll bet all the money that I have, all the money that Dame has, that they would not have had this success if no. Nick Saban's not there. So, no, um, no, not at all. So, boy, it's just funny how history uh, plays out. But I'm I'm going to focus on a few names for the Oklahoma Sooners here. And surprise, surprise, they're on offense. I mean, that surprises <laughs> anybody. <laughs> I don't think anyone's shocked by that. You know? Not at all. I don't think anyone's shocked. But I'm looking at we're gonna we I mentioned Mount Cody earlier, but I'm talking about Mount Cody now for a different person. I'm talking about Big Cody Ford. Big Cody Six, Ford, man. You gotta love it. The big sexy. I'm gonna mention two big sexies for Oklahoma, but I'm starting with Cody Ford, who I believe will be a low end depending right as of right now, depending on you know, there's still months. We still got months to see if he can rise up. Uh but right now as a guard, and I think he's that prototype guard. Uh, in the NFL, he's he's shorter at six two, so I wonder if people will look at that on on the next level. So that definitely takes him out of being in that tackle kind of you know scenario. But I think Cody Ford has really blossomed. All American really could be a good run mauler for for any team that needs offensive line help. And we're looking at teams that do. Whether you're looking at, I, I can see the Vikings needing O line help. I can see the Houston Texans really needing that O-line help. So I'm looking at those teams kind of in that range. And I think Cody Ford would be a steal for him. And, you know, to get that running game going, it be a good run mauler and to stuff it up for you. Now, we've mentioned Hollywood Brown a lot on this show, and for good reason. Explosive. Smaller, smaller frame, but I will say, Dame, I wonder what you think. I think seeing this year, he did put on – some muscle to get a little bigger and, and I think he still he still needs to put on more muscle. And you don't I don't want to take away how explosive his speed is, but on the end for the next level, you gotta be able to take hits and you gotta be able to get off. People are going to try to bump and press you and yes. throw you around and you have to be able to withstand that. So I think one thing I will say is I think Hollywood Brown is a low end first round talent. But I want to see if I'm an NFL evaluator, scout talent evaluator, I want to see him put on muscle. He doesn't have to be the incredible hawk or anything. I'm not saying that. Yeah. But he needs to be able to – because you know what? People are going to automatically look at him and say, hey, don't let him get off the line. Harass him. Get your hands on him for those five yards and frustrate him. Because they know that with that speed and that explosiveness, he can be a problem for DBs on the next level. But – Another concern I will say I do have for him is that he did get banged up this year. Yeah, he did. And I, I and you know sometimes you wonder there there are these um these these kind of rules of the trade that don't all they're not guarantees, but a lot of ev- NFL evaluators have. Where you've heard me if you listen to our other show, uh, the Damian Dermy show, 
talk about Jameis Winston, where, hey, if you throw interceptions in college, you're going to do it in the pro level. A lot, of, a lot of evaluators will also say this. Hey, if you get hurt a lot in college, what makes me think I could get hurt a lot in the NFL? So he has to right. show people that he can stay healthy. But I do really enjoy Marquise Brown. I think he's one of the most explosive receivers in college football we saw. He was Kyler Murray's go-to guy. I'm also looking at another big sexy and Mr. Bobby Evans. And I think he will be that. He played a lot, uh, a lot of experience. I, I don't know about you, Dane. I'll say this as a guy who loves big sexies. I love a guy, especially when I look at the big-time t- programs. If you're an old lineman and you played a lot of games, Bobby Evans started in 39 games at Oklahoma. So that means that he was a rock. He was an anchor for them on the O-line at tackle. So to me, I look at that, man, I, you know, because sometimes you get flashes in the pan, especially on the O-line level. But with this young man, we know he has the experience, at least in college. He played the Oklahoma offense. Lincoln Riley trusted him to hold down the fort, whether it was for Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray. So I'm looking at a lot of teams who need tackle help. And uh, Bobby Evans could be a day, a day two kind of a uh, – Probably he'd be round two, round three. But I think a lot of teams who need O-line help, Bobby Evans can be a great addition to. And I think he's someone that people are sleeping on. He doesn't jump out at you. But with that, I think he can be dependable and really assuring at a tackle spot for you and can get the job done for the next level. And if you develop him right, I can see him being a Pro Bowl tackle for a team. So those are the guys I'm looking at for Oklahoma. Kyler Murray, we don't know. He might be playing, like you said, with the Oakland A's. So I don't know if he yeah, even, yeah. We might have to do all on the clock for a different draft show for Kyler <laughs> Murray. So I don't know where exactly. he's going. But if he decides to want to be a football player and go to that next level, we know the things with him. He's explosive. He's quick. But that height. And even though we've seen it time and time again, we go through it all the time, whether it's Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield last year. I don't believe Doug Flutie back in the 80s. I don't believe NFL talent evaluators will ever get over that they don't like short quarterbacks. And I do understand it because you're – hey, we talk about Ra- Raekwon, Raekwon Davis is six seven. So, to me, I'm wondering if on Saturday how he will do, you know, at 5'11", six feet going against Raekwon Davis and that hand going up. So, that will be a good test yeah. and these big guys. So – that will be the thing. We'll see what Kylo Murray will we'll hear later on, and you'll hear it here on, on the clock with Damian and Jeremy if Kyler Murray decides to play for the Oakland A's or declare himself for the NFL draft. But those are some of the things that – questions that will look at Kyler Murray as well. So those are people I'm really watching for on the offensive side of football Saturday for the Oklahoma Sooners. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm with you on that, man. I'd love to see what Kyler Murray can do in the NFL, but, you know, we'll see how that goes. But – Hey, I love the I love the love you gave to the big sexies, um, you know, especially big Cody Ford, man. I'm excited to see him. Um, and, and another quick matchup I do want to bring up Ben Powers, Ben Powers, the guard from Oklahoma. I want to see what he can do if they lie, if they if I if I can see either him versus Raekwon or him versus Quinny and William, because that's you know him coming into this into this draft. If he's able to hold up, especially because he's one of the best pass-blocking guards, if he's able to hold up and keep Kyler Murray clean versus any of those two monsters in the middle, his stock is going to rise a, little, a, a good bit. And that's a so, good point because he's a lower guy right now, uh, mm-hmm. day two, maybe day three. But if he does have good performances, and that's the thing. People do look at this, and you're right. If you're talking about the Tacoma Bowl or the, the Outback Bowl, they don't care. But this is how you are in game situations. Talent evaluators look at that. They really do. So Ben Powers definitely can – his stock can rise if he balls on Saturday. So these are guys for people who are loving college football but also want to see, hey, can some of these guys on Saturday help me and my NFL team on Sundays? These are some guys to look out for, for all four teams. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. But listen, guys, it, that's, that's our show today. We, you know, we will be back weekly to get you guys ready for the NFL draft. Yes, sir. And, and talk about these prospects, man. It's been a fun show. You know, definitely continue to check us out. We will, this, this show will be on Stitcher, iTunes, uh, pod, you know, uh, podcast, all these different 
podcasting hosting sites anchor we will be there anchor is this is the main place this is the main place anchor and itunes but if you don't want to come here and you have some other place hey we will be there as well so definitely guys uh jeremy as always man it's been fun uh we will be back next week talking about some more college football and some more nfl prospects man uh, i can't wait success sleepers all type of stuff i can't wait man it'd be fun to uh you know Talk about the big sexies and, you know, not talk about the running backs as much. You know, it'll be fun. Hey, hey, it'll be fun. Hey, listen, not, not as hey, many sexy listen. running backs this year, buddy. I don't, I don't want a, you to hey. get nervous. I don't want you to get nah, nervous. Not at all. Not at all. Hey, don't worry. You know, I, you know, I've been out here scouting these running backs for a couple couple weeks now. So, you know, I got some <laughs> names for you. Okay. You know, I got some names for you. Okay. I love it. I love it. <laughs> you know, I got some names for you. I love it. If you well, want listen, running back man, talk. Damien I'm here. is the man. Damian Parson is the guy. If you're looking, if you want to see who are the best RBs, there's nobody better in the business. I'll say that. Appreciate that, brother. Hey, you know, and we're gonna talk about those big sexies, man. This is a, this is a solid class of big sexies as well. Absolutely, we got a lot a lot coming for you guys. See, we're gonna talk some Senior Bowl. Uh, try to get some Senior Bowl in next week. Talk about some of the uh, guys who have already accepted their invites and so forth and so on. So listen, we're gonna get ready for that because uh, that's the next stop in just a couple of weeks. Senior Bowl. Um, but listen, as always, guys, thank you guys so much for joining us here at On the Clock with Damian Deremy. I'm Damian Parson. That's Deremy Dove. Y'all have a good day. Peace.